Now, if you brought your Bibles this morning, and before I move on to the, the text, doodle. <laughs> before I move on to the text, I would like to finish my comment on the exhortation. It is good to do that. And, you know, I was in uh, a meeting. It was, what, last week, the week before, Brother Barry Rackley. I, I think a lot of Brother Barry Rackley there in Rogersville. He's a good man. And Brother Tony Finney was there. And he took some time, and he, he called it exhortation. And he began to name some of the folks that had put in a lot of effort and a lot of work around the church. And, you know, I'd never really thought about that before. Uh, and he says that needs to be done. That is part of it. Reproving, rebuking, but then exhorting. And you need to learn how to exhort. And so even I, as your pastor, uh, I can learn a lesson or two. And I, I love being around those men. He's pastored over 27 years. And you can learn how to be a better blessing to people. And so uh, that's exhortation is good. It's not that people want it, but it is kind of nice to hear, ain't it? And then you say, well, what about the ones you didn't name? Well, you're all faithful to sit in the pew and smile and amen me. And then to uh, say, preacher, that was a good message, even when I'm having a bad week. And so you got a part to play, too, and I appreciate that. Now, with that said, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, of course, we're in a series here of messages, and I'm, I'm really enjoying them uh, as, as far as a, a theme, and it's been about Christ. Christ is all, and I might even play that song for the invitation. Again, it was, it was such uh, a moving thing, Christ is all in all, wonderful, wonderful song. And that, that's really a what about this time of the year is supposed to be about. Uh, it, it's, it should be all about Christ. But the devil has got in there and he wants to commercialize this thing we call Christmas. He wants to mar the image. I was watching this week uh, some uh, 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 images and video clips of what's going on in churches today and what they're doing this time of the year. And I, I will literally tell you, had they brought a golden calf and begin to dance naked around on the stage, it would not have shocked me with what I see going on. And, it's, it's, and they're proud of it. And a lot of it is the Hillsong stuff and what they were doing. And they had Santa Claus up there. They had dancers up there. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, that's a disgrace and it's not right. And the devil has gotten into the churches and is now, people, they're coming not to hear and learn more about Jesus or to learn that Christ is all in all, but they want to be entertained. And of course, worship and church was never about entertainment. And we come expecting that. We've been geared to Hollywood, uh, the poisoned glass uh, tube, you know, has poisoned us. We think that anytime we sit down, we're just a spectator. Worship in church was never meant to be a spectator, but you were supposed to be involved, and every individual had a part to play. And especially this time of the year, uh, that we're trying to lift up Christ and to make sure that you understand that uh, we have set a time aside to honor the birth of our Savior. And I believe it to be fitting. In Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look this morning uh, on uh, uh, the wonderful name of Jesus, the promised names of Christ. Uh, last week we were on the, 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 the lineage, the family lineage or the promised lineage of Christ and where did he come from and why did he, where did he come from and, and we kind of got in a little bit on why God had to become flesh incarnate and we uh, talked about that and showed that from Scripture to be able to identify with mankind, to be able to uh, redeem man. He had to become a kinsman redeemer. And then, of course, that first week was about a promised seed. And so this theme... It runs all the way through the Bible, starting there in Genesis 3, verses 15. And I could have 
picked other places to preach from and he even added more about this central theme of the Bible which is the coming Redeemer, the Messiah. Now some would differ with that in uh, the theological realms. They'd say, well, the second coming is the central theme of the Bible. There's more scripture about the second coming than any other theme in the Bible. Let me tell you something. Uh, Christ is to have all the preeminence. Christ is the central theme. The Redeemer, God manifested in the flesh, is what this book is written about. And in every verse of this Bible, if you lend it to enough meditation time, you will see pictures of Jesus. And so Isaiah chapter 9, we find our text today in verse 6, but I'd like to read from verse 1 down to verse 6. He says, nevertheless, that means he's continuing a thought. The dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, talking about the nation of Israel, when at the first the lightly afflicted, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. That phrase should be underlined in your Bible. It shows up again. It's important when it comes to Christ and His ministry. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great life. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy and harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden." And the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Now here's our text. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let us pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, we come now. Lord, we're asking you to meet with us today. Let the Holy Spirit work on hearts. And Lord, I want to take this time to lift your name up uh, and, and, and talk about these names mentioned here in the Scriptures. I believe uh, that it's important that we do so then, Lord, I'm not going to do it justice. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit step in and help my feeble mind and my feeble attempt at this. Lord, uh, you take this. Uh, just as the lad gave the, 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 the five loaves and the two little fishes, Lord, it's not much. It's all I can do. It's all I can bring. But if we put it in your hands, you'll bless it and break it and give and feed your people this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Many theologians, as I begin to learn this this week in my study, they do not accept this passage of being a messianic passage. That term messianic means a prophetic passage about the coming Messiah. Of course, that would be probably why there's so many different uh, opinions and many different beliefs on who Jesus is. And I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You can be wrong about a lot of things uh, in Christianity. You and I might not see eye to eye on church music, uh, and that's okay. Uh, that's not going to send you to hell if you and I don't agree on that. You and I might not see eye to eye on modesty in the Christian life. You and I might not see eye to eye on, on how we're going to interpret the Scriptures hermeneutically. 
you and I might not see eye to eye on the rapture or a whole host of things. Maybe the one that gives me a lot of grief uh, is tithing. People don't like to hear that term. What do you mean I got a tithe? That's Old Testament. Well, then how about grace giving? We do find that in the New Testament. And we might not see eye to eye on that. You might not see eye to eye with me on, a, on why I'm a Baptist. And you might say, I think you make too much out of that. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter, and that's fine. But let me tell you this morning, if you're wrong about who Jesus is, uh, it'll cost you. If you're wrong about Jesus, the main thing on who He is and who He was and who He is today, if you think Jesus was just a man, if you think Jesus was just a prophet like Muhammad, if you think Jesus was just a teacher sent from God, you're going to have some problems because He was that and more. He was God manifested in the flesh. He was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was God and Jesus all at the same time. And people say, oh, I don't understand that. Neither do I. And I cannot wait for the day to have my Savior, my God, my King explain that to me. But I do believe it. Because this Bible says it. And this comes down to a Bible issue. And so there's a lot of theologians that disagree that this is a messianic passage. And here's why. They don't want to admit that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Anything to take the preeminence from Christ. Give them Santa Claus. Give them the Easter Bunny. Give them anything, but do not tell them who Jesus is. That's a problem. This Bible says that the church is the ground and the pillar of the truth. And we must be correct in our interpretation of the Word of God in our hermeneutics. And this is a messianic or a messianic passage. Verse 1 here in this chapter continues the thought of chapters 7 and 8. They're meant to go together. That's why I pointed it out. He's continuing an argument. And it's dealing with the conditions of the nation of Israel due to their rejection of God and His law. Verses 1 and 2 is a repeat, or is repeated in Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Talking about bringing to light, or bringing the light to the Gentiles. Because the Jews rejected. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Right here in this passage, your Bible is telling you that the Gentiles are going to get in on this salvation that this Messiah brings because the Jews are going to reject it. That was such a big topic in the early church. The Jews didn't think Gentiles could get saved. Because they weren't part of the elect. And they had to become the elect before they can receive the grace of God. There are some religions today that still working like that and on that, on that uh, uh, point and, and, and premise. But the Bible is clear to tell us, whosoever will may come, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, and God only puts you in one of two categories, Jew or Gentile. And as we learned last week, all of us are part of one family. That's right. All the families of the earth would be blessed through that family, Abraham. And he's referring to Christ, the Savior, the promised seed. And I made the comment, there's just some people that don't want God to bless them. And that's why they reject God and they reject the Jew. And I said, and I'll say it again, because people don't like it. They get a little squirrely when I say it. If you're anti-Jew, you're anti-Christ, because Christ was a Jew. And if you're anti-Jew and anti-Christ, you're anti-Christian. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to slide. I'm not going to wiggle around on that. If you're anti-Jew, you're anti-Christ, and you're anti-Christian. And there's a group of people running around, they want to be anti-Jew, but say they're Christians and that they love Jesus. You can't have it that way. 
It don't work, and we're approaching this from God's standpoint. He says, I'll bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curse thee. And the last time I checked, the last person that jumped up in the UN and wanted to try to curse the nation of Israel fell down dead last week, if you didn't catch all that. I got news for you. We serve a God, and He's only going to allow so much. Now, but He says the Gentiles were getting in. Going to let them get in. And so here before us in this short passage of Scripture that I have read, God is giving us a linear look into the future. And He starts with the present apostasy of the nation of Israel. They had rejected God and God's law. I, I want to preach. There's a phrase over there. It says they, <laughs> they served their God. They feared the... They... <laughs> Oh boy, it's Ahaz says it, and he says they feared God and served their idols. Now that that's that that bears a message on that. It's not that they didn't believe in God; they believed God. Oh, oh, and and Israel here. Oh yeah, we we believe the one true God, but they had rejected His law. They were not going to live how He told them to live. Apostasy. And so they were going to serve their own gods, but fear the Lord. I think there's a lot of people like that today. They, oh, I fear the Lord. Oh, yeah, oh, God. But they're serving their gods. Mm, that'll preach. But we see this present apostasy. Then the coming war and conquest is what he's talking about of Israel. Then he's... Get, he tells you about the promised Christ child, a son. It's been bothering me all week, and i got to get it out of my system. I like how the Bible's clear. A promised Christ child, and he don't stop there. He says, a son. I'm glad Jesus didn't have a gender identity problem. I mean, you only get two options, male or female. There's only XX chromosomes and XY chromosomes. Don't ask me which is which. Brother Joe said he'd take that question. I'm always confused on that. But that's the only ones there are. But I like that. A son. A son. And then we see the coming tribulation and the man of sin defeated in verse 4. There's a lot he gives you here. And it's a linear look. It's a quick running look. And then the millennial reign of Christ. That's why he says of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. He's talking about the millennial reign. And actually if you push that, <laughs> that kingdom started when Christ was born. That's what's in the context. Amen. And we're part of that kingdom of God. And he says my kingdom's not of this world. But he's bringing it. He's bringing it. He's bringing it. There'll be no end to it. But this morning, my focus is going to be on the names of Jesus that we find here. In the Jewish culture, names, they always have a very definite meaning. As in Abraham, it means father of many nations. Ruth, her name means friend. James means superior. Jesus, his name means Jehovah is salvation. That's what the name means. I've been around and around of these clowns that want to try to tell you that Jesus is not God. What's his name mean? And they can't tell you. It's like a calf looking at a new fence. It's like they never thought nobody would ever ask that because they had never thought about it. His name means Jehovah, salvation. And then we see Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I don't think today many parents take into consideration the meaning of the names they give their children. I remember years ago... A lady wanting to name, I believe it was her daughter, Cora, spelled with a K. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? 
You want to know why? Korah is not a good person in the Bible. That was a person, and actually that name means ice and coldness, which would be right. They rose up against Moses. Korah was one of the singers. Generally in a church you'll have problems out of the music people. If you're going to have problems, that's the way it comes about in the Bible. It's somebody always wanting to manipulate or bring in worldly music. And yes, I'm taking a big chance come New Year's Eve night. That's why I'll be up here as the church band. <laughs> I'm careful with that thing. Somebody trying to slide a little something in there like, well, yeah, can't we just rock around the Christmas tree? No. Not in the church, not in the sanctuary. No, we're not doing it. If you want Santa Claus on stage, you probably have to go down that church down the road that way, down there, but not here. I don't want to mar the image of Christ with another man. And see, God not only gives us the names of this Messiah, but the birth and the gender. If he was to back up to chapter 7, and he says this, he's going to give them a sign. Jews require a sign. Verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's that name. That means the incarnate God, or God with us. That's what it means. Incarnate means to be made flesh. Remember last week I said God is a spirit, and must be worshipped in spirit and truth. As you see, we got flesh and blood, and we needed a kinsman redeemer. That's why God come... As the Lord Jesus Christ, still God, still on the throne, and Jesus down here at the same time. You say, how do you know that? Remember the baptism of John? When the Lord come up out of the water, he wasn't sprinkled, by the way. It says, and when he straightly come up out of the water, a voice from heaven, God the Father, says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Then you had the Lord Jesus Christ and you had the Holy Spirit and the likeness of a dove coming down and lighting on Christ. The three persons of the Godhead, the Trinity. And so I see the promise of the Christ child here. The incarnate one, God clothed in flesh. I'm reminded of that verse over there in John 1.1. I've quoted it a number of times these last few weeks and we must. He says, uh, in the beginning, John, I'm in St. John, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Catch it. Where I'm going to break that down because he's given you the promise of this Christ child, the incarnate God. And he says, in the beginning was it's like, well, what beginning is referring to? He's referring to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. And so what he says here in John, he says, in the beginning was. Was is past tense. In the beginning was the Word. That means Jesus was here before anything was created. That blows the Jehovah's Witnesses out because they say Jesus is a created being who was created after Genesis 1-1. No. No, that's why they wrote their own Bible. They must change it to twist it to make it say what they believe. And we don't change our Bible to make it fit what we believe. We change our beliefs to fit the Bible, God's Word. In the beginning was the Word. But watch this. And the Word was with God. Uh-oh. What does that mean, preacher? Well, he didn't say the Word was in God, did he? Didn't say that. He didn't say the Word was in the Father, did he? He did not say that the Word was in 
or with? Why? Well, the word here was with God. It does not say in God or with the Father. It had said with the Father, then the Holy Spirit would have been excluded. I'm often, all the time I do it, I always tell you, pay attention to the little things, to the little words. There's a whole lot right here in this verse. And your Bible here, even in Isaiah, is teaching us so much about Jesus. He didn't say he was with the Father. He said he was with God. Now, why did he use that word God? That's Elohim. That's going to tie you in with Genesis 1, verse 26, where he says, Let us make man in our image. Elohim is plural. And so he's teaching us that Jesus is part of the Godhead, which lines up with the rest of Scripture, especially when you get in the 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Didn't say they agree in one says they are one. What a mystery. And he says this is the mystery of godliness. God manifested in the flesh. It ties it in with the rest of the Bible because God is common to the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, you grew up singing this and learning this, at least you should have. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that verse is written exactly the way it's written. And I don't like it when anybody wants to change God's Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, not with the Father, not in God. And the Word was God. Now, Many people want to change that and they'll say, well, the word was a God. Uh-uh. No, that don't work. No, Jesus ain't a God. He's the God. King of kings, Lord of lords. You see, if you're wrong about Jesus, that will put you into hell, being wrong about Jesus. You can be wrong about so many other things, but you cannot be wrong on who Jesus is. And what he done. And so we see the promise of the Christ child, the seed of the woman, virgin born. That's never happened before, never happened again. It was a miraculous birth, a virgin conceiving. Why? Because he could not have an earthly father. Preacher, why? For as by one man sin entered into the world, Everybody in here has an earthly father. That's where the seed comes from. And if you're born and you have an earthly father, you were born under Adam's transgression. You're a sinner by default. Jesus did not have an earthly father. He was conceived by a virgin, meaning God was his father. God has the power to create. And so the angel told Mary, God has chosen you. And God thought it, and it happened. A miracle. The virgin birth. Virgin born. I like how Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 1, he says this. I was looking at this a little bit this week. And verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise you say, what does that mean? What does that word wise mean? It means this is exactly how it happened. I've not changed it. I've not manipulated it. I'm not approaching it with a bias. This is exactly how it happened. And then he begins to explain to you about Jesus and how he was born and they're going to call his name Jesus why Jehovah is salvation and his name is Emmanuel God with us this is the incarnate God this is the kinsman redeemer that was promised in Genesis three fifteen. 
And then we see the promise of his government. He says there's going to be a, a kingdom of the increase of his government and peace. He's talking about a kingdom. It's not made with hands. We're not bringing and building a kingdom. God does. You can't have a kingdom without a king. He's bringing it back. <laughs> there's, there's, there's denominations and religions that are wrong on that. They think they're kingdom builders. He's like, I like that term, of course. But it doesn't mean what you think it means. They mean it differently than you do. Generally, when a person says that, I know their theology. And their theology is they don't believe Jesus is coming back to set up his government. Literally. They believe the church is going to take over and continue to spread out. And as soon as the whole world is converted, and I got news for you, if that's how you're thinking, you got a lot of explaining to do, Loti. <laughs> Remember that? That's going, I'm dating myself. Got a lot of explaining to do, Lucy. <laughs> Why? Because the world's not getting better. It's getting worse. There's more hatred today than ever before, and the Bible said it would be that way because that paves the way for the man of sin. He loves chaos. He loves anarchy. But this government... It's not made with earthly hands. It's a heavenly kingdom. Hence the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. Yeah, amen. It's not going to be started here on earth by earthly hands. God's bringing it. You want in on it? <laughs> you, immigration's a big thing today. You want in on Christ? Then you're going to have to become a citizen and be translated into that kingdom and out of the kingdom of Satan. That means you're going to have to pledge your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Another word to use there is to believe. It means to pledge yourself to. And then you become an ambassador representing a king. It'll be a perfect kingdom. It'll have a perfect king. He'll rule with a rod of iron. Yeah, amen. He ain't going to put up with nonsense. Can you imagine a flash mob robbing a store during the It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it won't happen. If they even try, they'll probably be hung. He'll rule with a rod of iron. He's not going to let the nonsense out of hand because you have the very wisdom of God that will be here on this earth. He ain't going to let that stand. It'll be a time of peace, a time of prosperity like never before. The curse on this earth will be lifted. This Bible literally says when you are picking the last year of corn, right behind you is the plowman plowing it back up so he can get it planted. He says the sower will overrun the reaper. That's how much better it's going to work during the millennial reign. You're talking about being able to feed a whole lot of people. He says that tree of life over there produces a new fruit every month. Every month you got fruit, it comes out, and then the next month a whole new fruit's on it. <laughs> it brings fruit 12 months out of the year. Wow. Wow. We got quite a curse on this world. And then Christ will be ruling and sitting on the throne of David. Oh, by the way, that's in Jerusalem. Yeah. And there'll be a temple there. There won't be no Dome of the Rock there. I'm telling you, things are heating up because there's another uh, a being that hates what God's trying to do. And he wants the very image of Christ marred. He knows what's going to happen. Don't you think the devil don't have a copy of the Bible? He packs a 1611. I assure you of that. He don't pack an NIV. The New Idiots version. And any all the other ones. And you say, I can't believe you'd say that. It's about time we wake up. You need to be shaken awake. On what's going on. Jesus is getting ready to come back. This Bible's real clear about that. 
Well, let's get into these promised names quickly. We've seen the name Emmanuel. God is with us, the incarnate, clothed in the likeness of flesh. That's right. Jesus was perfect in every way. He had no sin in him. Would you like to have a blood transfusion from him? <laughs> wow. But he says here in our text, his name shall be called Wonderful. Did you ever thought about that? That name there, Wonderful? I looked up that definition. I got that old 1828 out too. It means marvelous. It, it means miracle, a thing of wonder. Uh, what is that? The marvelous name of Jesus. There's songs written about that. What are they talking about? They're talking about the name of Christ. Wonderful, the wonderful name of Jesus. Saves me from sin. Good song. I can't play it on the piano, but it's a good song. Good song. What's he talking about? He's talking about one of the names of Christ. He's marvelous. He was virgin born. That's a miracle. Wonderful thing. Christ did many miracles during his earthly ministry. How about his bodily resurrection? The, the apostles there in Luke 24, 41 said they, mar they wondered. He says, look, handle me. I've got flesh and bone. Handle me. And he says they wondered. Why would they wonder? It's a miracle. Wonderful. It's a wonderful thing that God has done. I got news for you. Jesus is the miracle working God. Mm -mm. Yes, he is. You know, I thought about that a little bit. There ain't no other God that can work miracles like our God. You're thinking about Lazarus, four days in the grave. There ain't nobody, not even a prophet, brought back somebody that had been dead four days. Jesus did. That's wonderful. Don't you think Mary, Magdalene, and Martha, that they didn't say, you're wonderful, what a wonderful... They, they were so happy they made a supper for Jesus. Oh, they wanted to make sure and exhort him and exalt his name, which is a name above every name. Why? He's wonderful. You know, the Lord, He can work wonders in your life. I thought about that a little bit. I think sometimes people don't believe that. They're like, well, I ain't having no miracles worked in my life. Well, that's because you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's why. That's why. You're more like Martha. I didn't say He was a bad person. I said you're more like Martha. You're cumbered about with too much work. You're running here, you're running there, you're running over here, and you're serving over here, and you're serving there. I got news for you. If Sunday is the only day you got to sleep in, then you're more busy than God intended. Because if that's your only excuse and why you can't get to church, that is a sorry excuse. And no, you might not ever experience the wonders of God because you're not at the feet of Jesus. I got news for you. You're having some marriage trouble? You need to be at the feet of Jesus. You need to be with Christ and be a builder. And he'll, he'll work a miracle in your relationship and in your marriage. The problem is we don't want to be at the feet of Jesus. We, we're coming about. We want to be everywhere, everywhere, everywhere else. And I'll tell you why. I was talking with Jenny about this this morning. I'll tell you why they don't want to come to Jesus. It, it's not because they don't, they, they, know, they don't think He can heal them or fix them. They know things will change. They can't go back to the vomit. The Bible says the dog returns to the vomit. We got a group of people that loves their own vomit, that sin, and they keep going back to it, and they come back out like, oh, I'll clean up, and then they go back, and they won't come and sit at the feet of Jesus and to surrender all because they still lack in their vomit. And so God is not working miracles in their life. No wonder. He's not a wonderful Savior to you because you're too busy about too many different things. How about counselor? He says he's a counselor there. A counselor. His counsel never fails. Now, I could take a lot of time to develop that, and I'm not going to. But here's something that you must consider when you think about this word counsel. 
And if you need counsel, this Bible is the best place to get it. The words of God. But counselor here also means an advocate. You heard lawyers referred to as a, as a counselor. Do you have a counselor assigned to you? Do you have, or, or if you're old school, do you have an advocate that can advocate your case? That's our counselor. That's who Jesus is. The Bible is clear to tell us in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. we got a counselor with the Father. Who is it? Jesus Christ the righteous, the wonderful one, the matchless one. All our counselor. We don't stop there. You see, he says he'll be the mighty God. Oh, there, there's that phrase again. We run into that phrase there in Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. He's telling Moses, I'm the almighty God. That's how Abraham knew me. And somewhere in there he says, but I want you to start using my name Jehovah. But it was the almighty God, Elohim. There we are again on that plurality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There was more going on there in Exodus 6 than meets the eye. The mighty God. There's no God like Him. Think about it. What other God do you know of that spoke the worlds into existence? I know if you study native cultures, I guess sometimes they say, well, a crow did. Crow didn't. Crow was the first bird off the ark. Noah let a crow loose. I, I mean, every culture, do you understand? Every culture talks about a flood. And somewhere they say, well, the earth it created by the crow. I understand, Eskimo. And I'm not making fun of those people. They're actually testifying to what Noah did after the flood. He let out a crow. Somebody just didn't finish the story. It got diluted. That's why we got to stick with the book. There's no other God that has spoken the universe into existence like our God can, the Almighty God. There's no God His equal. There's no other God standing beside Him. Uh, uh, God's not in a power struggle this morning like we see so much on TV, you know, the, the what is it, the anger of the gods or something like that, and you got these gods fighting each other. I got news for you. Those were fallen angels. They're not talking about the Almighty God. They ain't nobody is equal. He don't have to meet with no other God and say, hey, you know, I need some permission. No, not our God, not the Almighty God. He said that'd be one of Jesus' name, the Almighty God. That's the Godhead there. Creator God. Isn't that what uh, Colossians says? That Jesus is the one who spoke the worlds into existence? Oh, amen. This Bible's rich with wisdom and knowledge about the Almighty God. How about parting the sea? Have you know of any other gods that ever parted a sea? And then some of these liberal theologians said, well, there's, there's a shallow part in the sea up there by the reeds. He probably parted that. No, they went right through the deep part. That's what the Bible says in Psalms. They were able to look from side to side and see those creatures down in their whales being held back by the power of God and they walked through on dry ground. How about your God? Has He done anything like that my God can how about <laughs> feeding one and a half million people with manna for 40 years 40 years wow I I've never heard tell read of any other God trying to do that I've read quite a few books I read books about uh, people that's been saved out of, out of witchcraft, and they talk about uh, these people with familiar spirits being able to do surgeries and healing people, but they ain't talking about nothing like that. Nothing like what this God can do. Nothing. And I don't know that I'd believe all that stuff that I'd read. My first question to that person when they were lost and they're telling us about it, you know how memories get foggy over time. How much dope had they smoked before they seen that? Absolutely. That's part of witchcraft. Smoking dope is witchcraft. That's what the Bible calls it. Oh, there's a whole big lesson on that. 
Oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Almighty God. How about the Everlasting Father? The Eternal Existing One, Jesus. In the beginning was, that's right, before time, space, or matter, was Jesus. Mm, that's rich. He cares for us like a perfect father. I was careful with that. Fathers today, and I'm not talking about our fathers. There's a lot of fathers in the world today doing a really bad job at being a good provider for their families. There was a time when the father not only provided for the physical side of their families, but they were providing for the spiritual side of their families also. But Jesus, the everlasting father, is the perfect father. He cares for us. He provides for us. He said, well, you ain't been providing for me. I care to differ on that. I care to differ on that. Says he's the Prince of Peace. Only Christ can bring peace to your life. There is no peace without the Prince of Peace. This world is not going to know any peace until the Prince of Peace comes back. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he is coming back. And he's going to be riding a white horse. Now that's after the tribulation. I've jumped. I've, I've, I've done a linear jump into the future. But he's coming back. And the Holy Spirit, he's, he's told me about three times I need to read that. And I don't know why I'm feeling led to read that. But we need to. Revelations 19. It's not in the notes. But we're going to. Revelation 19. Verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of the mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Our God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Now watch this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It's talking about the church, marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. That was an angel. John's trying to worship an angel. An angel said, Don't do it. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called what? The Word of God. Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. Hang with me. Let me show you something this morning. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. He's talking about this King, this Word of God, Jesus Christ coming back, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords what'd your bible just tell you he said that this jesus this word this counselor this wonderful one this everlasting uh, father this almighty god is king of kings and lord of lords this is jehovah god you can believe your bible you can be wrong on a lot of things but you can't be wrong on who jesus is and your Bible is teaching you that Jesus is God. What a wonderful name. 
And the Bible goes on to say, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which is set at not of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now take your Bible to 1 John 5, and I want to believe that it's 20. Somebody doesn't believe, I'm not talking about in here, doesn't believe that Jesus is God. We have a large live stream audience. Not everybody believes Jesus like you do or like this Bible says. I don't have the words to convince them. I don't have the physical power to convince them. But there's power with God's word. There's supernatural power. Watch this verse in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. It's capitalized. There it is again, Elohim. Now this is Greek. Some of you don't try to correct me on that. I didn't look that up. I, I don't speak Greek and Hebrew, but I did do a little study. He said, this is the true God. Actually, it did. It's theos. Theos. In the Greek. It's plural. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He says, this is the true God. Jesus is the true God. That's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying, when He comes, one of His names is the Almighty God. I just read to you from Revelation because the Holy Spirit, he, he, he hit me with that. He said, you need to read that portion of Scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. Jehovah God. The incarnate God. 